While Nobusuke Kishi was recovering from his wounds, a televised debate was being held between the three major political parties in front of an audience of 2,500 people. The participants in the debate were Suehiro Nishio of the Democratic Socialist Party, the newly ascended Prime Minister Hayato Ikeda of the ruling Liberal Democratic Party, and Inejiro Asanuma of the Japan Socialist Party. Inejiro Asanuma was a charismatic figure who lived a modest life. He was also a controversial figure, a veteran of the Japanese diet and an ardent opponent of Western imperialism. During the days of World War II, Asanuma was a supporter of the Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere and of Imperial Japan. Once the war ended, he spearheaded the Japan Socialist Party, or JSP's, opposition to revising Article 9 of the Japanese Constitution, Japan's remilitarization. His logic was always anti-Western imperialism. The year before, he was widely criticized in an incident where he visited Mao Zedong's China and called the United States, quote, the shared enemy of China and Japan, end quote. When he returned from his trip, he wore a Mao suit while disembarking from a plane in Japan, sparking criticism even from the socialist leaders. Japan, as well as its ally, the United States, legally recognized Taiwan's ROC as the sole legitimate ruler of China. Mao's communist China was therefore illegitimate. Under Asanuma's leadership, the JSP played a leading role in the massive Anpo protests against the revision of the U.S.-Japan Security Treaty in 1960, angering rightists who supported the treaty. The debate started at 3 p.m., and Nishio of the Democratic Socialist Party would speak first. Once he finished, Asanuma approached the podium and began his speech. Immediately, right-wing groups in the audience began loudly heckling him, and the television microphones and the reporter sitting in the front row could not hear him, forcing the moderator to interrupt and call for calm. A few minutes later, the audience finally calmed down, and Asanuma resumed speaking. While speaking, a young man dressed in school clothing rushed on stage with a wakizashi, a samurai short sword. He thrust it through Asanuma's ribs. Asanuma grabbed his left side in pain before the boy attempted to stab him again. Onlookers from the crowd began rushing the stage and the young man attempted to commit suicide with the sword, but the sword was wrestled from him. Asanuma died within minutes from massive internal bleeding. His violent death was seen in graphic detail on national television, causing widespread public shock and outrage. The tape of Asanuma's assassination was shown many times to millions of viewers. A Pulitzer Prize winning photograph captured right as the sword was being pulled from Asanuma shocked the world. The assassin was a member of a far-right party led by Bin Akao, a Japanese ultra-nationalist who strangely enough was a lifelong supporter of the USA. Even during the Second World War, Akao was opposed to going to war with the USA. During his youth, Akao had become acquainted with Asanuma while the two lived on an agrarian commune together. Akao became disillusioned with communism during his time on the farm and was later sent to jail by the Japanese thought police for a speech that was against the emperor. While in prison, he converted to right-wing ultra-nationalism. 
Eventually, after the war, he formed his party, the Greater Japan Patriotic Party, of which the 17-year-old assassin, named Atoyoa Yamaguchi, had become a member of. Although Yamaguchi grew up in relative privilege, he became radicalized by his older brother and joined a Kao's pro-American, anti-communist movement. During the Anpo protests, Akao led many counter-protesters. On the other side was Asanuma, leading his own sect of protesters. Yamaguchi was arrested and released 10 times over the course of the Anpo protests, and came to the conclusion that Akao was not radical enough. Yamaguchi resigned from Akao's group to be free to take more decisive action. Following the assassination, Yamaguchi was arrested and imprisoned awaiting trial. Throughout his imprisonment, Yamaguchi remained calm and composed, and freely gave extensive testimony to the police. Yamaguchi consistently asserted that he had acted alone and without any direction from others. Less than three weeks after the assassination, on November 2nd, Yamaguchi mixed a small amount of toothpaste with water and wrote on his cell wall, quote, Long live the emperor. With that I had seven lives to give for my country, end quote. Yamaguchi then knotted strips of his bedsheet into a makeshift rope and used it to hang himself from a light fixture. Yamaguchi would become a legend to the Japanese far right. The day of his suicide is still celebrated to this day. His actions inspired a series of right-wing copycat crimes. Even Proud Boys founder Gavin McGinnis has found inspiration from Yamaguchi. In October 2018, while in Manhattan, he stepped out of his car wearing glasses with Asian eyes drawn on the front and pulled a samurai sword out of its sheath. Police forced him to enter a nearby building. Later, McInnes and an Asian member of the Proud Boys reenacted the 1960 murder of Inijiro Asanuma. A captioned photograph of the actual murder had become an alt-right meme on social media. On the night of Asanuma's assassination, protesters began flooding the streets of Tokyo, calling for the entire Ikeda cabinet to resign in order to take responsibility for failing to ensure Asanuma's safety. Ikeda and his advisors worried that a new protest movement might arise that would be the second coming of the Anpo protests. Prime Minister Hayato Ikeda had not even been premier for three months by this point, and many saw him as a stand-in man to restore peace after Kishi. He was not very charismatic and had the image of an unpopular politician out of touch with the common people and prone to verbal gaffes. You are not alone, Joe Biden. Few expected Ikeda to be anything more than a temporary placeholder prime minister. However, Ikeda proved them wrong. Asanuma, although controversial, was well-liked. He was a modest and hardworking man who earned respect from all across the political spectrum. His assassination truly shocked Japan. Shortly after his death, Ikeda gave a heartfelt eulogy for Asanuma on the floor of the Diet, commemorating Asanuma as a, quote, speech-giving everyman, end quote. Ikeda declared, quote, you made service to the people the core of your political principles. You were constantly appealing directly to the people with unrivaled eloquence and unmatched passion. Numa truly is a speech-giving everyman, with his soiled clothes and tattered briefcase, today in this public hall, tomorrow at a roadside temple in Kyoto. This is what Asanuma's comrades used to sing about him back in the 1920s when they were founding the Japan Labor Farmer Party. Even now, we all still have vivid recollections of you giving all those speeches in every corner of this nation." End quote. Ikeda's short speech was met with thunderous applause. 
and left many lawmakers in tears. With far-right groups conducting a series of violent terrorist attacks, they began losing support from the common people. With Asanuma's assassination, the Japan Socialist Party broke up. Before his death, the JSP had been an unhappy marriage between far-left socialists, center socialists, and right socialists. Asanuma was a charismatic figure who had been able to hold many of these mutually antagonistic factions together through the force of his personality. Under Asanuma's leadership, the party had won an increasing amount of seats in the Diet and seemed to be gathering momentum. Asanuma's death deprived the party of leadership. His successor was a centrist and took the party in a centrist direction, far faster than the left socialist was ready to accept. This led to growing infighting within the party and drastically damaged its ability to present a cohesive message to the public. Over the rest of the 1960s and going forward, the number of seats the socialists held in the Diet continued to decline until the party's extinction in 1996. The failure of the Anpo protests also broke up the student movement, Senkakuren, which disintegrated into numerous warring factions, paving the way for the rise of the radical New Left sects. The irony of the situation was that the political violence of both the left and the right would pave the way for a new era of peaceful Japanese history. The Anpo protests also influenced a series of transformations in Japanese art and literature, as disillusionment with the failure of the protests to stop the treaty led more artists and writers to experiment with new styles of art and types of literary forms. Prime Minister Ikeda surprised observers by undertaking a dramatic personal makeover. He drew a sharp contrast to Kishi's high posture and ruthless, take-no-prisoners approach by taking a low posture and adopting an accommodating stance towards political opposition and making tolerance and patience his slogan for the fall campaign. Ikeda also underwent a deliberate physical makeover, switching out the dark, double-breasted suits and severe, wire-rimmed glasses he had worn prior to becoming Prime Minister for more approachable, light, single-breasted suits and thick plastic-rimmed glasses. Most dramatically of all, Ikeda announced his bold, income-doubling plan, which promised to double the size of Japan's economy in just 10 years' time. Japan's economy had been growing massively since the occupation ended. Between 1953 to 1965, GDP expanded by more than 9% per year. By the early 1960s, the success was beginning to be felt, calming tensions around Japan. When the economy is good and you are gaining more wealth than your parents' generation and their parents' generation before them, it's hard to focus on things like communist revolution and ultranationalism. A good economy breeds a healthy society. In Japanese imperial society, the three treasures represented the aristocracy, the sword, the mirror, and the jewel, representing virtue, wisdom, and benevolence, this equaling authority. As the ancient Japanese legend goes, these three treasures were brought to the earth by Niningi no Mikoto, grandson of the sun goddess Amaterasu, and great-great-grandfather of the first emperor of Japan, Jimu. These three treasures eventually passed to Jimu and became ingrained in Japanese culture. 
With American influences continuing and the growth of the economy throughout the 1960s, the three treasures transformed into the refrigerator, the washing machine, and the television, of which all Japanese families needed to have. By 1962, it was estimated that 79.4% of all urban homes and 48.9% of rural homes in Japan had a television. Japan, by the mid-1960s, also ushered in a new type of industrial development as the economy opened itself up to international competition. Products such as automobiles, electronics, ships, and machine tools assumed new importance. As population growth slowed and the nation became increasingly industrialized in the mid-1960s, wages rose significantly. Labor unions which survived the Anpo protests kept salary increases growing. Ikeda also set out to repair the U.S.-Japan relationship, which had been damaged by the anti-American character of the anti-treaty and the cancellation of Eisenhower's visit. He gave numerous reassurances to the U.S. government that he would staunchly support U.S. Cold War policies, including support for Taiwan and non-interaction with mainland China. He asked for and was granted a summit meeting with incoming U.S. President John F. Kennedy in Washington, D.C. in the summer of 1961. At the summit, Ikeda reiterated his support for the U.S., and Kennedy promised to treat Japan more like a close ally such as Britain. Ikeda hoped to make up for Eisenhower's inability to visit Japan by hosting Kennedy in Tokyo. Kennedy agreed. U.S. investment and financial support was drastic for the growth of the Japanese economy. In 1962, French President Charles de Gaulle famously referred to Ikeda as, quote, that transistor salesman, end quote, signaling that Japan was becoming more known for exporting electronics than for the cheap toys, bicycles, and textiles it had exported in the 1950s. In the election of 1963, Ikeda, to the outrage of Kishi, announced that the LDP would renounce any effort to revise Japan's post-war constitution, and specifically Article 9, which banned Japan from having a standing military. Ikeda even made no constitutional revision on our watch, one of the LDP's campaign slogans for the general election. Ikeda, shortly after winning the election, contracted cancer. It progressed rapidly, and the day after the closing of the 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Ikeda announced his resignation. Hoping to avoid a vicious intra-party struggle to succeed him, Ikeda took the unusual step of personally designating Iesako Sato, the younger brother of Nobusuke Kishi, as his successor. Shortly after Ikeda entered hospital for operation, he died of pneumonia. He was 65 years old. Iesaku Sato continued Ikeda's economic model, and the Japanese economy continued to grow substantially. Takishi's continued resentment, Sato did not attempt to revise Article 9. Education and those attending university arose drastically during the 1960s. After the old left fell apart, a new left formed in Japan. The new left often based their ideas on Western existentialism, like that of Albert Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre. They were more inclusive in the Western world, and thus the tumultuous year of 1968 caught their attention. Mass protests erupted everywhere. In Eastern Europe, anger at the communist regimes and their limiting of freedom of speech resulted in the Prague Spring. Protesting began in Czechoslovakia, Poland, and Yugoslavia. In many other countries, there were struggles against dictatorships, political tensions, and authoritarian rule. 
such as the beginning of the troubles in Northern Ireland, the Tlatelolco massacre in, in Mexico City, and the escalation of guerrilla warfare against the military dictatorship in Brazil. In Western Europe, student movements took place, protesting against capitalism, consumerism, American imperialism, and traditional institutions. In Paris, the protests grew so large that at one point, French President Charles de Gaulle secretly fled France to Germany. With the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and the Tet Offensive underway, the U.S. erupted in rioting against social injustices and the war in Vietnam. By the late 1960s, the number of university students and universities in Japan reached an all-time high. The lack of post-war publication censorship, the printing of affordable Marxist texts, and the abundance of free time at university led to the radicalization of many more students. The generation born in the post-war baby boom had reached university, and universities had accommodated this change by opening thousands of additional spaces. Tensions had already risen, and the student movement had been mostly dormant since the Anpo protests. The situation in the universities had become increasingly unstable, leading to the protests of 1968. Starting with the controversial reform made by the University of Tokyo in late 1967, Regarding unpaid medical internships, a student strike at the university soon began. The protests by the University of Tokyo medical students spilled over to other universities. Nihon University saw 10,000 of its 86,000 students demonstrating over the suspicious use of 2 billion yen by the university's board of directors. In July 1968, the University of Tokyo, Zenkyoto, or All-Campus Joint Struggle Committee, was formed to coordinate protests at different universities across the country. Zen Kyoto was not centralized, and each campus took a different leftist ideology. Whereas only undergraduate students protested against Anpo in 1960, the Zen Kyoto included graduate students and some members of staff. The protests focused on issues ranging from increasing student tuition, to corruption of the faculty, to some schools being traditional and conservative in nature. By the end of 1968, students had seized control of 67 campuses, with hundreds of campuses subject to significant student unrest. Eventually, the protests became massive in scale and led to a series of nationwide campuses shutting down. However, the university's student protests failed to gain legitimacy with the Japanese populace. Japan had become a stable, successful member of the world society. Many didn't want to return to the hardships of World War II the occupation and the turbulent 50s. Protests began occurring outside university campuses. Thousands of students entered Shinjuku Station on October 21st, International Anti-War Day, and rioted. The scale of the riot provoked public backlash that increased public support for the police, which led them to use more force when assaulting occupied campuses. The Sofia University occupation, for example, collapsed in December 1968 after a police siege of the campus. With the students increasing violence, they garnered less public support. The police began to single out radical students. By the end of 1969, the students had been broken. Many barricades had been dismantled, and violence slowly dissipated. Zen Kyoto failed to unify and fractured from infighting. Attention at the universities gave way to the 10-year anniversary of the Anpo Treaty, which upon its revised terms, the treaty would renew every 10 years unless stipulated by either Japan or the USA. 
The protesters changed their goals to that of ANPO 1970. Prime Minister Iyasako Sato opted to ignore the protest completely and allowed the treaty to automatically renew. Japan today has changed considerably from the times of Anpo and the occupation. If you were to take a stroll down the streets in Tokyo, you would be greeted with a mild-mannered people who keep to themselves going to work in a hurried manner in their clean city. They think about Nobusuke Kishi or Inejiro Asanuma, probably about as much as your average American thinks about Martin Luther King Jr. or Dwight Eisenhower. Since that time, no attempt has been made to abrogate the U.S.-Japan Security Treaty by either party, and U.S. bases remain a fixture on Japanese soil, with 85 separate facilities hosting almost 50,000 American military personnel. The U.S.-Japan Security Treaty, ANPO, has lasted longer than any other alliance between two great powers, that is, depending on if you consider Portugal a world power or not. To this day, relations between Japan and the United States remain high. In a 2019 Pew survey, 63% of people in Japan named the United States their closest ally, far higher than any other country named by the Japanese. An overwhelming 84% of Americans have positive views about Japan, according to a Gallup poll. Minus a few hiccups during the Trump administration, the alliance remains strong. For the rest of his life, Nobusuke Kishi remained devoted to the cause of revising the Japanese constitution to get rid of Article 9 and remilitarize Japan. In 1965, his pro-American tune had changed considerably. He gave a speech where he called for a Japanese rearmament as, quote, a means of eradicating completely the consequences of Japan's defeat and the American occupation. It is necessary to enable Japan finally to move out of the post-war era and for the Japanese people to regain their self-confidence and pride as Japanese, end quote. In his final years, Kishi grew increasingly bitter that constitutional revision had not yet come to pass. In his memoirs, he somewhat angrily recalled, quote, The idea of constitutional revision had always remained at the forefront of my mind. The two main culprits in destroying this momentum toward constitutional revision were Hayato Ikeda and my brother Iyasuka Sato, who, while they had power, made sure the constitution would remain unchanged. That is why the call for the constitutional revision died with my administration. End quote. Kishi remained in the diet until retiring from politics in 1979. Even after he retired, he remained a strong influence behind the scenes in LDP politics. After several months of illness, Kishi died on August 7, 1987, at the age of 90.